Welcome to the Abundant Truth Podcast with host Roger L. Evans. Join us as we herald the message of the Christian faith. Understand this, we are his workmanship. But he's ordained that we should have good works and walk in them. The blueprint, the blueprint for a perfect church. So we understand God as a builder, we are the building, we are his workmanship by his determination. But now, blueprint for what? Perfection. You mean to tell me, brother, that God expects me and you to be perfect? Yes, he does. Not perfection in terms of you won't ever think something wrong. You won't ever feel the wrong way. Things won't come to you. But being perfect in terms of your character and nature that in the event I get off, perfection in me causes me to get on. I show that I'm perfect. I show that I'm complete in him because even when I'm wrong, I know how to handle being wrong and getting myself back in line with him. In the Greek, the word for perfect, translated perfect and perfection is the word teleos. Now, the word teleos is very interesting because it, it, it means reaching full grown state. It means a consummated goal or end. So anytime when you look in the New Testament and you see the word perfect, it is telling us either to be full grown, to be mature, grow up, be perfect. That what God looks for in perfection is not without error, but it's without infancy. We come as children, but we are not to remain babes in understanding. Paul told them, he says, be children in malice. Know how to get mad and get over it quick. He says, but not in understanding. But how come you're shot? But many times we got it flipped. That we are, we are full grown in malice and want to dissect it and hold on to it and explain it and explain why I'm still hurt and why I'm still mad. And here's a five point graph of how they hurt me. And here's a 10 point reason of why it's just so hard for me. We become skilled apologists when it comes to our malice. And then if we ask you, what does the blood of Jesus represent? It gets quiet. We go to looking around. We go to flipping. We go to digging around. And then we claim, ain't no Bible teacher. You don't need to be a Bible teacher to understand that the blood is what cleansed you. And so. God's idea of perfection is manifested in our character. Come on and say character. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you find that Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 begins to break down the commandments unto them. And then from verses verse 1 through 48, he deals with all sorts of things from adultery 
from how you give, from how to forgive. And after he deals with how we deal with one another, he says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Because God is complete and full. God is complete in and of himself. He's always going to do what's right and act how he needs to act. And he and so when we look at perfection, perfection deals with how you handle folks. Perfection shows and how you navigate things when they do not go your way. How you navigate sins in the lives of others and in your own life. Matthew 5, he goes through. He says, you have heard it said. You have heard it said. And many of us have a you have heard it said theology. Rather than an it is written theology. When you defend what you believe, do you ever say it is written? Or the Bible says... Or because sometimes we're so loose, we'll say, well, I think it's in there. No, you ought to know it's in there, even if you can't call the verse. I know it's in there. Not I think it's in there. How do you handle dealing with others? This forms the blueprint of a perfect Church, it's not whether or not our choir together. It's not about our food pantry. It's not about our revivals and our outreaches. It's not about these churches boasting in the fact that they own malls and stores. What does that have to do with the kingdom of God? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So how are you going to build something in this world and think Jesus wants to own that? He only came to own a people. He came to own a people. And it's so funny that the people are too busy wanting him to put his name on our stuff and he's trying to put his name on us. We don't want to be known as Christians but we want to be able to say, look what God blessed me with. We want to put the name on the stuff. And he's saying, no, I, my name needs to be on you. When you look, when Jesus would be encouraging and rebuking these seven churches in Revelation, he would tell them, look, understand, I want to write my name on you and give you a new name. But we're too busy wanting God to sign off on our stuff. Rather than saying, God, I want your name to be on me. And so if we're going to be perfect, it's going to begin in how we deal with one another. And if you continually finding it hard to deal with people and deal with differences, you are immature and selfish. We don't want to hear that because we believe that how I feel about it, how I see it, is right. 
But when you bring that attitude to the church, you begin to disrupt the flow and the unity. You're going to always have differences. A perfect church does not mean they are not differences, but they know how to handle the differences that the gospel is never called into question and the fellowship of the saints is never broken even if we don't agree about something. But we discover that we are immature because we tell half the church about what we didn't like. And I can't understand. What do you mean you can't understand? They're human. You're human. We all make mistakes. And so you find after all of his commandments and all of his instructions, he sums it up with be perfect like God. And so we find then how, what then characterizes a perfect church. Give you a few points and I'm going to my seat. When we look in the book of Revelation, again, we find that Jesus here now has moved from speaking to the other churches and now he's talking to the church at Philadelphia. Come on and say Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We understand that during that time, the churches, all of them was under such persecution. We understand that the churches were going through. The enemy was continually assaulting the churches. And certain churches, they were in places that were dedicated to other gods. That's why when you look at the point where it talks about, you, when he keeps telling them, you sit in the, where the seat of Satan dwells. Either there was a wicked political power there that did not want the Christians to survive, or they were in a place where a temple was erected to another god, and they were suffering persecution because they wanted to serve their God. So we find when we get to the Philadelphian church, we find that their church is very interesting because it is one of the churches that he did not have any words of rebuke for them. That's why I told you, if Jesus can come and comment on your assembly, and don't have a rebuke, that means that church is perfect. It don't mean everybody is all that in three bags of chips. It just means that even when things come up and things go wrong, they're handling it in a way that is befitting the gospel. So you find Jesus shows up and has no rebuke. That's how I know that a perfect church really can operate. And we in today's society, in the American churches, we are not even experiencing the persecution that this church in particular was experiencing, nor its pressures, and we can't get along. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can find us on all major streaming services. And remember, Jesus Christ is the truth, and the word of God is abundantly true.